Welcome to the first episode of the Lucky Puck Podcast. Been waiting to do this for a long time with my co-host Drew. Say hi, Drew. How's it going? Thanks for having me, Steve. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Get her going. Well, I do not have a spad background or a big sports background, but I played a lot of rec hockey as a kid. Going to university at Laurentian for the Outdoor Adventure Leadership Program. Been living with Steve for, this will be three years now we've been living together. So I've got good in-depth on lots of hockey news, but Steve is the master. All right, so let's just jump right into it. So we're going to start with Clayton Keller, who today re-signed with the Arizona Coyotes, an eight-year contract with a 7.15 annual average till 2027-2028. Huge deal for Clayton Keller coming out of his entry-level deal. And we're lucky that we recorded today instead of yesterday because we would have never gotten the story and it would have been a bit of a dead podcast. Yeah, we would have missed that section. That's a big deal. Eight years. That's a long timeline to sign this kid after his, what is his second full season in the NHL? Yeah, second full. And he came off of a 47-point season, which I found out actually led the Coyotes, which is Surprising, right? Oh, really? Wow. Well, you think of his 2017-2018 season, he had 65 points. Yeah, he was. Uh, he had a really, really good rookie season. Uh, sophomore slump a little bit, but he still contributed heavily to the team, especially how injured they were the entire season. And the contract's lockout protected. So with... The potential of the CBA being reopened by the Players Association. Which we'll get to that later. Yeah, we will. It, we can see Keller getting that full payout, and I'm sure that was a big thing for him in negotiations. <laughs> well, good to have. He said, we were talking about this earlier at breakfast. It's He secured himself, maybe limited his options later on by taking a big eight-year deal. But it's given him the chance to have some stability. He's played 82 games in both of his full seasons. So he's been injury-free so far. And it's good to see something like that for Arizona, who struggled mightily with injuries the last few years. And a lot of the time, it's just unlucky injuries, like Grabner getting that awful face injury. Ooh, that was gross, yeah. Yeah, that was a tough thing to look at. And uh, just some other parts to the contract there is a full no trade clause between 2024 and 2026 and then that turns into a no move clause in 2026 to 2028 which it it is interesting and you it's going to be interesting to see the fact that the coyotes let's say in five years or four years rather in 2023 we might find them in a situation where maybe they still aren't competing which would shock me. They do have a great young core, and they still get young players coming in. Recent signing of Phil Kessel. Not signing. Acquisition of Phil Kessel. And it kind of does handcuff Keller. and Well, not Keller. The Coyotes. Keller can waive that no-trade clause or no-move clause if he so pleases, but it can handcuff the Coyotes if they get into a position where moving him might be best for them. Because by that point what how old would he be which which year uh by 2028 would be the 28 29 29 28 or 29 he's a 98 yeah the contract expires in 2028 so that would be going on he'd be that make him 30 yeah 30 31 around there 
Jeez, and I think that would make me 32. Yeah, <laughs> like, he's, yeah he's, uh, he's born 98. And just looking at what the unrestricted free agencies and free agencies for the Coyotes are looking like, they're fairly spaced out. They don't have one season that's got a lot of movement, except for maybe 2021. They've got four or five defensemen up. Who are the players? We've got uh, Goloski, uh Nicholas Har- Harmason. Oh, Nicholas Jolmerson. Yeah. yeah, that's that's a hard one to say. Uh, Demers and Osterly and oh, uh, Jordan Osterl. Yeah, and Ilya. Yeah. You gotta say that Ilya. Turn the turn the laptop one. There you go. Il- oh, I don't even know that one actually. That's a hard one. Yeah. Leo Bu- Leo Bishkin. Yeah, to... yeah, that is a pretty big chunk of their decor. But their forwards are staying. They look like they're staying set. They've had quite a few uh, young players to stick around with the organization long term. Ekman Larson signed recent, uh, not too long ago. Mm. And I had listed actually five major players that are sticking around for at least until 2025. It's Oliver Ekman Larson. Nick Schmaltz, who they required in that Strom and uh, Perlini trade. That's right. Uh, Jacob Chikorin, who they drafted, and Christian Dvorak, who also has seen a little bit of a slump ever since his uh, bigger rookie year. Hope I honestly don't think he will find himself in that big slump after that. I think he'll get better. You think he bounce back? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He doesn't strike me as a player who's going to have – Another bad season. I just want to double check how many points he had last season. Well, while you're looking at that, it's just look at those players you mentioned as we're talking. Clayton Keller is looking at being a second line left winger right now with Schmaltz and Vinny on there, which is a good spot for him. It's going to keep some consistency around him and having. Uh, looks like they want to do a first line of Phil Kessel, Derek Stefan, and Christian. Uh, Dova, Dorak, Dvorak, yeah. Dvorak, yeah. He's there. They'll do well together. Which it's gonna is be a, mm, phew, crazy offensive line. Yeah, and that's that's comfortable. Have two, your first and second line staying consistent for the next three, four years. Oh, he was injured a lot of this season. I actually didn't know that. So he only played twenty games. Oh, well, that's probably why we didn't hear much of him. Yeah, I was wondering. Yeah, because he had thirty-three points in sixteen, seventeen. Put up four more in. In the next season, and only played 20 games this past year. So, with that line, actually, if that team can stay healthy, like, again, another, the same problem that the Coyotes have had that we keep on talking about, can't stay healthy. That's going to be the key for them this season. And I think if they can stay healthy, the Pacific Division it can be open for the taking for them. I don't see them struggling too much i just i can't see them doing next season steve i they need i think they need more than a season to try and get together and glue if they make it to the playoffs maybe they'll have some traction but i i don't know if they can get it together and glue if they all stay healthy just next season you need two maybe three seasons to really get on a roll yeah i don't think a playoff appearance would be crazy to think of i don't think it's gonna happen this year i think if they did do it this year I wouldn't be really that shocked. I would be surprised, but I, at the same time, the team is strong. Yeah, and they 
only finished a few points out of the playoffs this past year, even though their team was just filled and riddled with injuries the entire season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So just a few quotes, actually, just so maybe I can get some comments out of you from it. So when they asked Keller about the contract, he said, this is a truly special day for my family and I. I love everything about being a Coyote. My f- teammates are great. We have a, g- a great coaching staff. Everything about this organization is on the right track, and I know we have an opportunity to do something special here for a long time. Arizona is where I want to be, and I'm proud to commit to the Coyotes long term. I'm thankful to the organization for believing in me and believing in what we can accomplish moving forward. I mean, that just sounds like a young hockey player who signed yeah. a big contract, <laughs> but it sounds like he's ready to stick around and commit to the commit to the cause, yeah, which is what you want to hear out of your guys. Oh, yeah, and Arizona has never really had a lot of players that have stuck around long term, which no. is something that they finally are starting to get with someone like Keller being their franchise guy. Like Cheka even said, he's elite in every, pretty much every part of his game. Mm-hmm. He, I still do believe he needs to work on some defensive stuff, like defensive parts of his game. Well, you look at his plus, we all know how there's a bit of a bargain on plus minuses. They don't tell the whole story, but he went from a minus seven season with a very productive, not probably why he had, uh, that's just on its 18 more points in his first full season to a minus 21 this past season. So you can see the numbers dipping significantly, but like it's I wouldn't plus minus. I wouldn't say that. plus minus matters if it's like between zero and twenty. If you're plus or minus, because if you're on a good team, it's going to be around plus twenty. Like if you're on a really good team and you're a minus, then that's a that's a problem. There's something yeah. not right there. And like I remember a few years ago, Ekman Larson actually had a a season. I think he was a minus forty five, and I, it was it was easily like the league leading. Yeah, and you could just tell like they're. That season, he just wasn't good defensively, and I don't quite know if he is getting any better, but by the looks of it, he, he's been growing in his game a lot more, which is good to see. So hopefully you can see Keller grow into that franchise player that the Coyotes want him to be, and hopefully he doesn't get into a situation where with the Columbus Blue Jackets and a crazy coach calling out all of your players. Well, yeah, let's just hope that the head coach sticks around and it doesn't change much from there. I'm just looking up the ownership and all the staff directly of the cars. Just, I was curious to see where they go. And they look, they've got, they've got a, a young, I don't want to say young, but they've got a, a mature experience, but still uh, in tune with the times. It looks like core of people working through as far as their head coach, their scouts. They're a very analytics-driven department. Yeah. And they've been that way ever since Cheka took the, the helm of the front office. Yeah. So it, that doesn't surprise me a whole lot. And you, Keller is, offensively is a stat god. Yes. Well, I just think that it's a great place for him to, if you were to pick a team, like what other teams would you think Keller would fit in to sign an eight-year contract? Like, like uh, offensively and just what he brings to a team in general. Yeah, if you let's you if you sign an eight year contract, where else? What would be another team that you think he would fit well at? I think just uh, Montreal probably. Like they've always struggled to 
scoring. They've notoriously relied on Carey Price. Like, I don't think... Understatement. Yeah, <laughs> an understatement to say the least. And they need guys who can score. They brought in Domi. No one really thought he was going to do a lot, and he put up 70 points. That was like, my example right there. Like, no one thought he was going to do that, and then look how that worked out for them. Like They could use a guy like Keller, and yeah. Coyotes got him. They had Galchenyuk, and they turned that into Phil Kessel. Mm, yeah. And Phil Kessel is a perennial 80-point scorer, point-per-game guy. Yeah, He can definitely bring a lot to that Arizona team. Yeah, that consistency that you want, especially in the maturity too, having a veteran player. Absolutely. So I tried to segue into that Tortorella thing. I got it. Yeah, all, all, all good. Oh. Like, I'm glad you brought something up there. Like, I'm glad. I like that topic about uh, where else Keller would fit in great. But, yeah, so... <laughs> You told you told me about the Tortorella comments today, and oh, we talked about that. For I was a bit. looking, I was looking on Instagram, and you know, it's Torts never never ceases to give me a good laugh. Uh, he's always been that way in the hockey community, though. Everyone has. Oh, you remember his Vancouver days? Oh my he's god! Swearing and cussing at reporters and uh, just um, going <laughs> bad shit, crazy. Was, pardon my language, but he was. It's it's scary to say that. Seeing these comments from, do you have them exactly? I don't have. Them yeah, I do actually. I yeah. have them word for word. The so he was interviewed by Aaron Portsline, the Athletic, and honestly, I subscribe to the Athletic. You you should too. It is an amazing service. I'm not sponsored, but I pay for this, and I it honestly gives me so much to work with that I just just check it out one day if you can but anyway so Tortorella said to Portsline he said I'm pissed I'm pissed for my players I'm pissed for my organization and I'm pissed on behalf of my city I have a tremendous amount of respect for all of them I do but don't talk about goddamn winning like you want to go somewhere to win it's right there in front of you I respect them all but I don't want to hear I want to win when it's right effing here <laughs> I respect them but I'm really pissed it was right right there where we were really progressing so really repeating himself just on a tirade yeah and that's entire time and that's towards being civil towards i know being nice about it. <laughs> it's just crazy it's not too crazy actually to see just a lot of players leaving that small market and i don't think it was a matter of they wanted to win like artemi panarin didn't want to play in a small market new york is I'm a, I'm a leaf fan and yeah. i'm gonna tell you new york rangers is the biggest market in all oh, of hockey no, no doubt no doubt and they bring it the most money, even if you look at the Forbes listings, they're far and away greater than the Leafs and what they bring in and their net worth. And Panarin brings a lot of publicity to that team, and he is their franchise player, and you don't get a lot of franchise players in free agency. And Bobrovsky wanted to play in the South or the West where it was hotter. (laughs) And literally, that's that's what was said a lot around nothing directly from Bobrovsky and he never got along with Torts. So not it's yeah. not like he was gonna stay. No. And you think too is it gives Bobrovsky we all know Bobrovsky was the man in Columbus. Oh there yeah. was no doubt. But there was never I never got the feeling there was a rebuild around Bobrovsky or kind of they based it off of all right, we've got a goalie who can take us all the way. In my opinion Bobrovsky is a uh Stanley Cup champion, MVP kind of goaltender. He is that caliber and they never really built it around him yeah i know what you mean 
it was tough. It's very tough for a team like that to build around. And for them to pick up Panarin when they did was huge. I remember that trade going down and no one saw it coming. No. Like, that was a huge blockbuster deal. Just earth shaker of, an, of a deal. Like, I, could, I couldn't believe it. And even, like, a guy like Duchesne, which was brought up in the same article. where it came over from the Suns. Yeah, and it was pretty much set in stone that he was going to leave the team because he bought a property in Nashville before he even signed with them. <laughs> so there wasn't a whole lot of surprise that he left that city. It would have been nice to see him go back, especially because the Sens would have got another first-round pick out of oh, it, which would have been yeah. amazing for them. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yikes. Yeah, like I, I'm as a Leaf fan, I don't like seeing teams suffer as bad as the Sens have been. <laughs> so. don't, don't say have been as if it's in the past. We all know that that's continuing on for this next, before the five years of unparalleled success. Yeah. Uh, that interview, jeez. That, that was almost a year ago today, actually. Yeah. I think I, it was a few days ago it was a year ago. I'd love to forget everything about oh. that. Should give that a watch after we're done recording this. That's such a another podcast day. <laughs> Just a special episode yeah. after after the first episode. You gotta go straight to the special ones. Yeah, I'm just looking back on and Bobrovsky had stats. Is he actually led the league in shutouts last oh, really? year? Yeah, which doesn't say much. I've been trying to find how many shots he faced against because I felt that Bobrovsky was always yeah. pummeled against. And the defensive core was never built around Bobrovsky being able to just take a few shots and play them safely, which would lead to more shutouts and Bobrovsky playing even better than he already is. I could see if I can find something in general with the teams and how many shots they faced. But right, um, oh, I think I might have found one actually. It's I know he faced. Last season alone, he faced 1,800, just under 1,800. And the season before, he faced 2,000. Wow. So it's gone. If you look at the trend from 2013, which is where he played just under 40 games, to this last season, it's increased by almost 700 shots a season. Wow, that's a lot. And that's... He's been... And he has been playing more games... And their decor's gotten better, too. Keep that in mind, yeah. But it just... I think that shows that the decor got better, but they still were playing a heavy shot against game. When you compare it to other teams who... Um, I'm trying to think of one off the top of my head. Dallas eliminated so many shots against Bishop and made him look like the best goalie, which, no discredit to Ben Bishop, is a very good goalie, but made him do made his job very easy. Oh, absolutely. You deserve that Vesna. Uh, candidacy without a doubt no doubt but the, the stars did a lot to help him out which was great for him and he also uh, Tortorella also commented on the Wierenski situation the the because he's an RFA right now and right a lot of those players still without deals Line A Point Connor Mitch Marner but we're not even going to get into Marner. You've all heard enough about that. I've heard enough. I don't think I need to get into it. What is this, Mitch Marner watch day 35, 40? We, what are we going on? We could probably go into an hour special on Mitch Marner just with all the tweets and Easy. everything. And literally nothing has happened of real note other than a few reported deals. But other than that, let's just get back into Tortorella. So he rec- he commented on the Wierenski situation and he said, I'd be terribly disappointed if he didn't, this is if he didn't attend camp. 
I'm not involved in the business part of it, but for a young man to miss one minute of camp, it disgusts me. He has really grown as a player. I just don't want him to miss a beat out there. I won't be disappointed. I'll be disgusted. Which was a big way to end off that. And I just, as a coach, as a head coach, do you really believe that that's the best way to almost motivate your players to come back to camp and to be at camp there and to spend every minute there? Or does that, do you think I just discouraged them and said, well, why would we want to play for this guy? Why do we want to, right? I feel like he might be, it's like an intimidation tactic at Wierenski, just saying, sign it, damn it. Because... <laughs> Yeah. I get it's probably frustrating for coaches, especially when they have no control over situations. Like, how do you think? I was gonna say, how do you think Babcock's feeling? But I don't think Babcock really cares at this no. point. He's the richest coach in the league, and yeah. it, well, he's gonna play his cards, whatever, he, whatever cards he's dealt. And he's always gone that way. Even last year, when he had no Nylander for half the season, he did that. So I'm sure Tortorella would be the same way and see what he can do, because he knows he has no part in this, and. I'm sure he wishes he could, but uh, yeah, he's just. I think the the frustration is getting over because getting a little, it's overflowing a little, bubbling over the top, however you want to put it. Because he wants to put his team together, he wants to put the team on the ice, and he wants oh, to yeah. pick up where they left off. Oh, they had a phenomenal season last which year, which was <laughs> slow start, really big finish. Yeah, forty. It's a forty-seven win season. It, good for them. Yeah. Like it, no. the the threshold for teams to make the playoffs just keeps going up. Yeah. Like they had, what, 98, 99 points, I think? Yeah, it was, it was a 98-point season. Yeah. Man, like, 90... I remember when getting 100 points was almost a big deal. Well, and you look at it, too. Let's forget about Tampa Bay, because we all know that that was a ridiculous regular season. They're only nine points behind the team that had the second most wins and the second highest points, which was the Calgary Man. Flames. That's yeah, a it's that's a close, close margin to go from second most points to thirteen most points. It is pretty close. Yeah. In but, nine games, or sorry, nine points. Nine points. Yeah. Either way, both teams got eliminated in the first round. That just shows anyone can win in the NHL. It doesn't make the playoffs. That's all it is. Columbus might not have a shot at doing that this year. Now that the team's got significantly weaker as we've seen but hey you never know some guys could step up new new Devara, not new Devara. forward oh, why is my why am i forgetting his name just on the topic of columbus has um wow and i'm blanking on the name as well Dezingle signed do we have we heard anything yeah from he signed with uh, carolina okay so he did move because he was another I keep tabs on Ottawa, and he was another that came over in the Duchesne trade, which I was disappointed to see because he's a good young prospect. He had, oh, I think, fifty-five, almost sixty points that year too, and he yeah. moved and he moved to Carolina. Yep. Oliver Bjorkstrand, that was the oh, name there we go. that I was looking for. I can see him having a bigger year than he did last year. Josh Anderson having maybe maybe scores more goals, but he almost had thirty. If not, he did have thirty. And uh, bringing in Gus Nyquist helps, but he's no Artemi Panarin, and he's no, no. he's no Duchesne. He's yeah, probably better than Zingle, I would like to say. Nyquist had a pretty good resurgence after he got traded to San Jose. We might see him have an even bigger year in Columbus. Who knows? And we'll see how that goes. I definitely think they came in as a dark horse. Obviously, we're no longer a dark horse once they swept Tampa. But they're, de- they're going to be a team that can contend 
despite you know torts will work his magic somehow and i think they will consistently be able to be a team that can contend uh, just looking at Dezingle here yes what's that 56 points he looked he looked really good he looked really good yeah just once just he moved move to columbus he only played a fraction less than half the games that he played at columbus and he played for auto but he was he was a key part of their roster so i think him moving to carolina will be perfect for carolina oh he brings a lot to that team and uh their forward core was already pretty strong, mm-hmm. bringing Zingle, and they brought in Eric Halla too, and basically traded him for nothing. Yeah. Or not trade, uh, required him for nothing. For nothing. And uh, their forward core has gotten way stronger. Uh, D-core, still one of the strongest in the league. Barely lost anyone. Just I think Justin Falk's up at the end of this year. See how that one goes. Yeah, well, and obviously the retirement of Cam Ward... There now he wasn't a starting goaltender, but their goaltending is lacking depth. We all know that. Yeah, well, they Marazic had a big year, and now they got Reimer, who hopes to bounce back after a bad year last year. Mm-hmm. And we'll see. Hopefully, Marazic can stay strong because I love watching Carolina play. That playoff run was so fun to watch. Yeah. Well, I mean, how can you not get on board with the storm surge, even if Don Cherry's all against it? Uh, I think it's. Young, uh, the young kids love it. We love it. We're young enough to enjoy it enough. My yeah. grand, my uncle hates the hell out of it. He can't stand it. Old-time hockey brain right there. We get in arguments all the time about Leaf players, and I think I'm right, he thinks he's right, and, you know, I can get, you know, verbally aggressive. But, you know, that's how families go when it comes to arguing about hockey. But hopefully we can argue about it in 2020 and 2021 because – the NHL so far didn't exercise its right to reopen the collective bargaining agreement, which means that the NHLPA now has to make a decision by September 15th, which is 11 days from Wednesday, which is when we're recording. And if they do decide to reopen, we could potentially see a lockout in 2020-2021, which is... Not what you'd like to see after no. 0405 and 1213. Yeah. And we lost a full season that year and then half a season that time as well. And it was expected that they were going to not reopen it as the NHL just has seen like massive growth. They've really done well for themselves when it comes to on their end for the yeah. ownership. Like No, no doubt. It on the players end, it's yeah. You got guys like McKinnon, who is arguably the best player in the league. And I'm going to put that out there as okay. fact. Okay. Okay. You're going to say Nathan McKinnon's the best player in the league. Not the best. One of the best. One of the best? Okay. He's up there with Crosby. McDavid's on another level. He's <laughs> yes. You cannot touch McDavid. I'm sorry. But he's up there with Crosby, Kucherov, and... I don't even know who else I'd put up on that list. No, I can I can agree with that list. All right. Better than Ovechkin. I'm going to say that right now. But is he better than Ovechkin when Ovechkin was younger and in his prime? You got to compare stats oh, and stats don't say anything, right? Anyway, different hey, topic. Yeah, but anyway, so guys like McKinnon who were signed to a deal that of, I believe it was $6.3 million. I'm, 
Let me fact check that really quick. That sounds right, right. And if you are right, is that not astounding? That is astounding it's, that he's even up. Yeah, six point three. I nailed that. Wow. Six point. And just can we, let's take a look at his points. Do we do we oh. do we even want to look at how much yeah. they're getting for six point three? Uh, it's it kind of astounds me. I can actually pull it up right now on the same page. So it was ninety nine, and the year before that. 97 in 74 games. When did he sign for this 6.3 average? He signed this contract in 20... He signed it on July 8th, 2016. So going into the 2016-17 season. And since and at then... That, at that point, he had put up uh, 52 points. Signed a long-term deal for $6.3 million. Which, yeah, I mean, 52 points, 6 points, that's Which reasonable. sounds reasonable, right? Yeah. But right now... It just seems really unfair to a guy like him. Because then you look at next season, 82 games, 53 points again, right? He's living to he's living up to 6.3. Right. The season after that, 2017-2018, 74 games, 97 points. He almost tripled the number of goals and almost doubled the number of assists he was getting. We, I, found, I have a few comparables for the... Uh... McKinnon contract. Let me tell you. Okay. Just I'm gonna say, say if these names are like they're good players. No, no, but yeah, just, we're not discrediting uh, that. Yeah, exactly. But uh, they're a little out of place if you're comparing them to McKinnon. <laughs> Sean Monahan is the closest comparable. You're kidding. Practically the same contract. Uh, the only difference it's six point three seven five. So he's getting paid more. He's getting paid more than, than Nathan McKinnon. Sean Monahan is getting. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Until 2023, he's getting paid more than Nathan McKinnon. Sean Monaghan, great player, not Nathan McKinnon level. Well, what's, just give me last year's points for Sean Monaghan. Sean Monaghan, last year's points. Just so we can have a factual check against this because... Eight, oh, he had 82 points last year. Oh, so, never mind. Right? You know what? That's another steal for that's, deals. That's, there goes my complete... That, <laughs> nullify that fact. That You didn't hear that on this podcast. I didn't say that. <laughs> Sean Monaghan is an all-star. Sorry, we're adding that to the list. We're going to start a tally on our wall of absolute steel contracts. We're going to put Nathan McKinnon and Sean Monaghan up there right now. Uh, Brandon Saad, that's another one. That's 6.3? As Sean, uh, Brandon Saad is being paid 6. 6? Okay, so just a little less. Until 2021. And that would make it a 7-year deal. So not 8. Or was McKinnon 8? Reaching out on me. Either way. Saad is not the player he used to be. No. <laughs> and he's hasn't been for a while. Oh, McKinnon was seven years. Anyway, so yeah, Brandon Saad, nothing compared to Nathan McKinnon. Uh, Barkov is also on the same deal. Goudreau is still on the same deal. And then you got guys in free agency. Panarin just signed a mega deal and it put up way less points. Well, not way less. Less points than McKinnon. And McKinnon's a center. Panarin's a winger. You get a lot more value for a center. Panarin's also the most high, highly paid winger in the NHL right now. Yes. Let's just, let's just Mc... keep that fact in mind. I wouldn't even bring up McDavid on that fact because McDavid literally took, reportedly took a pay cut <laughs> of what he was asking for. They were giving him 13 and a half, and he said, that's too much. <laughs> you ever heard of that? This, I've never heard a player say that's too much when he can put up over 100 points on a team that doesn't make the playoffs. Jeez. Well, with that, all, all those contract talks being said, a lot of the players 
look towards the, like the NBA, where you have max max contracts, max term of five years, where you can have multiple deals for less term, and five five years is a lot less commitment for a player, yeah. and it's also less com- commitment for a team, which kind of can handcuff a team like let's say Kawhi signed a five-year deal with the Clippers. When he gets out of that deal, he's still a phenomenal player, maybe just just exiting his prime, mm-hmm. but he still signs a monster deal. Yeah. Because he can. <laughs> the NHL, you don't really have that privilege. You got the, If you sign an eight-year deal like Keller, you reach 30. You maybe sign one more big deal. Let's say you sign a five-year deal. You're 35. You really regress and slow down. And mm-hmm. the game keeps getting faster and younger. By 35, Keller might not even be in the league. He might be bought out. So that's a point of emphasis that the PA is looking at when it comes to looking at what they can do to help their own players. Because right now the situation isn't phenomenal. No. Because you do have a lot of players signing big money deals in their late ages, and then they're just bought out, and they they're traded for dead money. There's, which was something that they were talking about in the previous CBA. They don't want dead money trades, but GMs have really fickled with the the CBA, especially mm-hmm. the Leafs, because two of their uh, higher ups actually wrote the CBA. <laughs> And so they know how to take advantage of it. Yeah. So they want less of that because the, it's unfair to the players. And as much as we love to see that, those, those kind of trades go down, those steals of contracts that help the teams we root for, it's not incredibly fair to those guys. Yeah. When you think, too, the shorter contracts allow for more changeover and flip-flop. Right. And it doesn't handcuff a team for yeah. eight years if something goes wrong. And I think that as nice as it is to see a team, I'll say Pittsburgh, just because they've been there in recent memory, consistently win and consistently do well, you're still seeing teams teams do consistently bad. And I think shorter contracts, we'll call them quote-unquote the max millions like the NBA, allow for more flip and flop through teams, players allowed to move and work around in different teams when they're still in their prime. And it just it shifts the power balance of the NHL. It's tough. It as, would. Oh, it, yeah, it would. And it's tough, though, to have the league kind of turn their league from an owner-run perspective to a player-run perspective. Because if you look at the NBA, players basically run the league. Kevin Durant's going to go play wherever the hell he wants. DeMarcus Cousins ring-chased for two years cause he, and just signed one-year deals because DeMarcus Cousins can. If you, and teams will take him. Yeah, if you have a superstar... They can do whatever they want. Think about... Now, McDavid is obviously, you know, the quote-unquote, the pay cut he supposedly took. He obviously wants to build around the Oilers. But think of what a player like McDavid could do if he signed one, two-year deals going to any team that's even half decent. You pick a... Imagine if you put him on Arizona. A young core, right? Just little boosts, right? He signs a two-year deal and suddenly you just boost them to that next level. If Arizona had a player like McDavid, they would be a cup contender. And right? don't even challenge me on that one. Because, wow, that depth. Right? And obviously, maybe it's a, there's a different personality with the players in the NHL. Maybe they don't want this 
juggling and flipping around. They want to stay where they are. But if you have these shorter max contracts, I think there's a there's a certain entertainment value that you will see with less of, wow, these are big deal trades and more of, we're seeing a lot of big players walk out to go on unrestricted free agency to another team for big money that you didn't team. And it's going to force the, now the downsides, it's forcing the owners and the team management to try and give the player a reason to stay. Look at what we're doing. Look at what we can do as a team. Stay here, right? Mm -hmm. That's what it's going to force them to do. And that's, you know, maybe they don't want that culture in the NHL. And a lot of uh, players are using, uh, during negotiations, when uh, when you're buying your UFA years, when you do hit UFA, you can literally go to any team that you want. You are unrestricted. You can do whatever you want. Like Panarin basically went around talked to any team he wanted. He could have done whatever. When you're an RFA, you are basically handcuffed to that one team. So the more UFA years you buy, a lot of teams, it costs them more. Like, that's why Matthews took five years, so he has the option. Like, I wouldn't say it's because he wants to leave the Leafs. It's because if something, God forbid, happens that he just doesn't want to play in Toronto anymore, he now has that option where he can pick up and go. But, uh, yeah, the CBA is complicated, though. <laughs> like, it, it's... You, uh, we could talk about it for a long time. Honestly, there's a lot of things in the CBA. Like, I don't completely understand escrow, which is a big deal in the CBA. I've tried reading about it, and I literally have to put my head in my face trying to understand what I'm reading. <laughs> and this, I read about hockey all the time. I talk about it all the time. And this is one subject that honestly rattles my cage, <laughs> and I have a hard time understanding it, and I hope one day I can. But for now, this is what we can talk about for the CBA. Hopefully, talk about it less and say they don't, and hopefully they don't reopen it so we can get to watch hockey. For reference, Steve, it's 540 pages long. The CBA? Yeah. Oh, I downloaded it on my iPhone. Yeah. I tried reading it. It's, it's, uh, I've, I've glanced through it. Easy. It, is, it is exhausting. It is, it, I, it's unfathomable to think that they review this, let alone rewrite some parts of it. At least as a group of people writing yeah. it. Imagine having to write that by yourself. <laughs> it's, yeah. Anyways, there's a, we have to wait and see. We've got nine days as we're recording this now. I'm sure we'll, there'll be uh, another conversation topic once. Oh, absolutely. The by the time this comes out, by the time that reopens, I'm sure we, we will talk about it again. That is, or if they reopen, not if it uh, as it does, but uh, we will get back to that by the fifteenth. I'm sure I'll post about it somewhere keep an eye on the blog everyone cheap plug and uh <laughs> cheap so plug. moving on to something that happened uh yesterday i believe it was and my heart just got cronwalled are we i say you're going to cronwall eh? yeah that's it uh so nicholas cronwall retired and i don't even care that i used that really bad pun when <laughs> to introduce the topic so just a little background on cronwall Spent 15 seasons in the NHL, all with the Red Wings, and you don't see that very often, especially now with teams being handcuffed for the hard salary cap, having to let a lot of players go. Uh, Cronwall was an exception to that rule. 
Spent his entire career with the Red Wings. Played in 953 games. Had 432 points. And was well known for the open ice hits. <laughs> where he would absolutely destroy people. I think obliterate people in open ice. And just wow. basically end careers. And like that would not fly in today's NHL. And no. He tried... He got less and less aggressive as time went on, but hey, you would always see from time to time a massive hit that he dropped. But he did get slower as time went on, so you didn't see as many. But when they happened, you didn't miss them. <laughs> you, they were everywhere on social media. I was say you can't you can't blame him. He was getting I don't want to say old, but he was getting up there in terms oh, of yeah, NHL absolutely. player age. He was he was high up there. He was drafted. First round, 29th pick, 29th overall in 2000 by Detroit. 2000. I right? was one when right? he got drafted. Yeah, and, and so I, he spent man, right? He spent three years in development in their farm teams and then finally was able to make it to the starting lineup where he played 20 games in his first season. That's a good way to start off a career. Was he yeah. playing with anyone else that, that year or was he just scratched a lot or... I can't find anything else. I was looking through his games because I always find it curious to see how many players, games players play. He only hit the 80 or more games per season three times in his 15 really? years. He had two 80 games played season, 182 games played, and there's a couple other that are close. Hmm. I never really realized that he was... Sh- well, I wouldn't say struggled with injuries, but it was from time to time he would have something minor. I didn't realize he only had a few 80-game seasons. Yeah, and it's he peaked at, well, I don't want to say peaked. He had his best season at 51 points. That was in 08 09 wow, which season. was that was a very good season for the Red Wings, if I remember correctly. 09 yeah, they were in the cup final that year. That was year. the cup they, final. Uh, they lost that year. There's the... They would have gone back-to-back that year. Is that, that Boston? That year. Uh, Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, they lost to. That was Crosby's right. first cup. Right. Right, and then the 08-07 season was the one they won. Wow. That feels like, I mean, it was a decade ago. I remember Watch watching it. that with my neighbor. CBC <laughs> Sports, Hockey Night in Canada. Oh, those icon- iconic, Rip. those games. I remember that flurry save to end that. <laughs> At the end, diving across to the right? I'm pretty sure that's what made me want to be a goalie. <laughs> Wasn't there, like, a, a crossbar hit in Game 7, too? <sighs> there was, oh. I remember that. Like... I just don't remember who shot it. It was a bomb from the point. It may have been Cronwall. Or it might have been Lindstrom. I don't remember. But I just remember a D-man ripping one from the point, hitting the crossbar with a, like a minute and a half left. And I remember Spittin' Chicklets was, was interviewing Crosby, and they were talking about that. And he's like, that was the moment he realized, okay, I think we got this. <laughs> Because, yeah, well, you know what Fleury used to do, right? Is Fleury turned around, he talked to his post, he pat, he gave his posts a little kiss, and I'm sure he was, he must have sent that post or the crossbar, whatever they hit, for a full makeover after that. He was must have been treating that crossbar nicely. To ring iron like that, I'm sure my heart stopped. I wasn't cheering for anyone in particular, but to hear that is just... That was a heart-stopping moment. You, whatever team you're a fan of, that is... That was nuts. That game, I I was maybe ten watching it, and I wasn't even I wasn't huge in hockey at the time. Like I was watching the playoffs, and it was fun. But I remember that game just being just astounded, just some of the things that were going on. 
on Cronwall, hit, in his last interview, he said, uh, a lot of it was just making sure that I didn't say anything too soon. I wanted to make sure that I didn't get into training and then change my mind and still want to play. So looking back, I think I've known for a long time, but it wasn't until too long ago that I was completely clear that there wasn't going to be anything more. Anything anymore? I might have mistyped that quote, but either way, we get the idea. Yeah. And uh, Steve Eisenman actually knew that Cronwall was making this decision over the offseason, so they weren't... Uh, they didn't find themselves in a position where they couldn't replace Cronwall. Like, no. they have options. Yeah, no, oh, for sure. There's, And that seems... The Red Wings are, are in the midst of a rebuild, and oh, Cronwall yeah. was a good, definitely a good vet to have around. But they were preparing for him to move on. You could, oh, you absolutely. could see it with the drafting, the moves they were making. I wouldn't be surprised if Cronwall takes a year off and Detroit maybe brings him back in some sort of role, because that just seems the way hockey goes. Because Detroit's known for it. Detroit is known for it. They brought they brought back uh, Alfredson. To the, oh say. no, Ottawa brought back Alfredson one, at one year to the office, right? Yeah. After, and then he left because he realized the organization was a gong show. Yeah. He did. Did he not end up working for Detroit as well? I think he. I don't. I think recall. he went back can, to work for Detroit as it might have been after his Ottawa tenure, but he played for Detroit. You know, tried to go for the cup. I think still one of. He's one of my top favorite players to play the game. Always disappointed he never won a cup. But he finished in Detroit and then went back to Ottawa, worked briefly. And then I was pretty sure he flipped over to Detroit and was working there for a little longer. No, only with Ottawa. Really? Yeah, as a senior advisor. So Poor decision. Yeah. Stick, stuck around there for two seasons. In 2017, left the team. And uh, it was 2018 they made the conference final, or was it 17? No, it was 17. It was 18. 17, yeah. Yeah, that after was, that he left, uh, and then uh, and uh, everything went downhill from there. Yeah, I, well, I think we can all benchmark Ottawa's downhill slide, starting with a double overtime loss to Pittsburgh in Game 7 of the conference finals on a flub shot oh that my God. just... Floated through the air, head over tail, and some miraculous, unmiraculous way managed to get past Craig Anderson, but fall just behind him and hit the bar and went in. And I think that's when I knew deep down as a childhood Sens fan that my life was going to go to crap. And it was the, the season that uh, I was just disp- a little emotional about it. We're going to stop talking. Yeah, Chris Kunitz single-handedly ruined a franchise with one shot. but uh, that's, wasn't even a good shot. He fanned yeah. on uh, That's all you need sometimes. Fan shot. But yeah, so Cronwall is retiring, and probably it was the right time just because getting older and getting slower, body's probably deteriorate, deteriorating after throwing all those hits. And he's 38. He finished at 38. Which is good for him, for someone who's played such a physical game. You don't really see guys anymore go that far into their career, but he did and stuck around for enough time to have a really good career. And all good on him. No, best, I, I wish him it's... all the best in retirement. And now we move to Justin Williams, who isn't retiring, but taking a break from hockey, which is super weird to see a 35-plus player take a break for a season and then potentially come back. 
I I think if he does come back to play at the NHL level after he takes his break, he's going to find himself having a hard time getting back to speed unless he's keeping in shape over the course of the season this year. I just don't see how it's going to work out for him. There is something about this whole situation that feels murky to me. I'm not quite sure what it is, but I can't quite tell what... Because they never really disclosed the actual reasons. There are quotes about him saying, uh, this is the first time in my life that I felt unsure of my aspiration with regards to hockey. Uh, For as long as I can remember, my whole off-season until this point has been hockey and doing what was necessary to prepare for the upcoming season. Because of my current indecision and without the type of mental and physical commitment that I'm accustomed to having, I've decided to step away from the game. So, does that? It seems, it seems like we've there's something else going on there. And you know, I always I always respect people when they say they need to take time and step away. But I think maybe he had a fantastic season. Oh, he we did. Especially at his age, his season. He's played. He's posted in his career uh, 18 seasons, 312 goals, 786 points, and 1,244 regular season games. Wow. He's uh, the game, obviously, Mr. Game 7. People like to call him after this season, the amazing Game 7 goal against Washington. I think it might have been almost a better time to just say, you know what, I'm going to step away from playing, take a season, and come back to participate in hockey in some other form or fashion. End on a high note. Yeah. I, th- I think it would have made a lot more sense as well. But uh, I guess he still has aspirations to play, potentially. I just think he hasn't decided is the main thing. He might, We might find out next season that he still doesn't want to play and he retires. And he retires on a high note because he had a phenomenal season in Carolina and he's never really had a bad season that really of, is of note. Like, Justin Williams isn't a focal point of a franchise where you really depend on his point production, but he's always brought phenomenal depth to a team, scoring at least, what, 40, 50 points every year? Uh, Close to, at least. Yeah, let's take a look. He started... He's played for a couple teams, actually. He played for Carolina for four seasons before coming back to them in the 2017-18 season. But he's averaging... Uh, points. He probably 30 points, 35, 40 points a season as he started. He had a couple low. Right. Was that when he was younger or when he was uh, getting up there in age? He looks like injury, injury issues. Played some short. He started off strong, actually. His first season was 63 games, but he dipped down in his third, his fourth season. His fifth season were all 47 or less games. Only posting up 26 points in each of those seasons. Uh, LA 08 09 only played 12 games. Wow. That's early on. That's I only think, nine I seasons. I think 08 09 he uh, was traded to the to the Kings. Was Oh, right. Here we go. Yeah. He's actually. Yeah. So then he, he'd actually he still only played 44 games that season. Still, that isn't incredibly high. Like, that's missing. And posted 14 points in that. Games. Well, either way, he's going to go down as a great player. I wouldn't, I don't know, Hall of Fame is a very, I think that's a stretch. It gets tossed around a lot, but he actually got better. Just looking at the points he was getting since 2013, 
he went up significantly, yeah, starting is, from 30 points, going all the way up to 50-plus point seasons. Which is super odd for a player uh, that's 30-plus getting better every year. Yeah. And in, this, in today's NHL, where 30-plus is the way of the past, and you look at that and say, no, no, I don't want you. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Williams has been the difference in that category and i'm on it i was surprised that he decided not to play i guess he retirement was going around in his mind but he just doesn't feel like he's ready for that and then we'll see what he thinks yeah in next year well i guess we'll find out yeah gotta wait to see and it's also worth knowing just since 2013 he's played at least 80 games or more regular season wow especially for someone who's had injury problems and early in his career and then once you hit 30 plus play 80 games a lot of the time yeah that's impressive to be so that would be from 2013 so that's would have been just his early 30s onwards he's now 37 has played 80 plus games in five straight seasons phenomenal player will definitely go down as a Probably one of the better Hurricanes to ever play for them. Yeah. Because he had two tenures there. Both of them were great. Good tenure with the Kings. Ba- killed it for them, actually. Pretty good with the Capitals. Nothing memorable. But Carolina, was, I think, is where people will know him best. And I didn't even know he played for Philly until today. So, yeah, it started... He was drafted by them, I believe. Started... In, you know, you look back at a player, as, he was never a, a franchise, I don't want to say friend, he was never a standout star, but he was a workhorse, and he did a lot of lot of good work and had a lot of just consistently solid seasons when he wasn't battling injuries. Yeah. I just took a look at his contract situation, and he was a UFA this year, but uh, I don't know if teams weren't signing him because they weren't sure if he was going to retire or if... He was too old, they didn't want to take a risk, and then he ends up putting up like a 20-point season, and we have another Marlowe situation, or yeah. not, Marlowe is a little bit of uh, unfair for me to say, Lu- not even Lucic, like, it would be a weird comparable to have there, but if you sign a guy to a one-year deal, he doesn't perform, that's too bad, You, it's just one year. And at this point, I don't see Marlo, uh, not Marlo, Williams, signing any more than a one-year deal. Now that he's taking this break, if any deal at all, because this last, this past deal, uh, he signed with Carolina was four point five per year, and I, I didn't think he was going to perform as well as he did in Carolina because it was always a, they weren't a strong team at the time, and Williams was a good player, but he was, I think he was turning thirty-five. At the time? Yeah. Yeah, that lines up. Yeah, and I th- I honestly thought he was going to be a good veteran presence for them, not like a full-on leader who's putting up 50, 60 points and help leading this team to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I didn't see that coming. Yeah. And I thought they would probably bring him back for one more year. If not, he stays with the team in some other role that they might have for him. But for him to not be involved with the team at all surprises me a lot. I don't. I still see Carolina doing very well without Williams, seeing they've re- done well enough to replace him with uh, Dzingel on the wing. 
I think I think it's likely we'll see him back. Maybe not in a uniform, but in a suit. I I would love to see him back. I think he he's can bring a lot to teams just for their young cores and pretty pretty much in any way. Like if he's playing or on the ice or if he's like you said in a suit off the ice, he can still bring a lot to the to any team. So I think we run that Williams thing dry. Yeah, yeah, I don't think we've covered a lot. Yeah, we've covered pretty much his entire career, I think. I Cronwall's tough to cover an entire career when you only played for one team and the most memorable thing you did was absolutely kill people. Yeah. So. Wait, you got to you want to look up good highlights and see old school hockey rock'em sock'em like Don Cherry is talking about, just look yeah. up Cronwall. And if you don't find a compilation with Here Comes the Boom, <laughs> You're not watching the right compilation. <laughs> oh, man. That's, uh... It seems... I don't know if it's just me, but it seems like the year that there's people retiring, a lot of... It, maybe it's just because I've seen the Hurricanes. They've had two players, fairly well-known players in their franchise, retire. Oh, I can't more too. Step, yeah. a, step away, at least. Take a break from wearing the uniform. So, I don't know if it's... We're seeing, starting to see a turnover where... The 35-plus players are now taking their leave, and we're going to start seeing younger teams progress. The game's just going to get faster. I, I can't tell. I'm going to leave it on this note for this this topic. Cam Ward gets his jersey retired by the Carolina and should be this season. Oh, 100%. He has signed a one-day contract to retire with them. Yeah, saw that. that which is good. good, but he's... Well, you want to, I haven't. I don't have his season up. But did he not play for Carolina's whole? Played career? with Chicago last year. Right. Sorry, Chicago. He did get traded. He was. He, he was a free agent. He signed with uh, Chicago during the offseason. That's right. He did switch. He had. A, he was a good goalie for Carolina. Oh yeah. He was, then he fell off a bit, and but when he was on, when he, he was in his prime, yeah. he was amazing. Like he was making saves that just boggled my mind. Like I could, I still watch those highlights and still can't believe he was making some of the saves that he was making. So move on to the final topic, which took place uh, about a week and a half ago. But it's, I think it's bigger than most people really make it out to be. It's Yesse Puliarvi signing with his f- former Finnish team in Ulun Karpat. <laughs> Don't know if I said that right. Sorry, but... to all the Finnish listeners out there, we just butchered that name. Awfully. If I have any Finnish listeners, I'm going to feel very honored. Shout out to the Finnish listeners. We hope you're out there. If you're listening, I love you, Finland. But uh, yeah, so Pugliarvi is moving back to Finland for this season. He had one more year, I believe, on his entry-level deal. And instead of finishing it out, he went back to Finland. And he has made it clear he doesn't want to play at Edmonton. He wants to be in a top six role for another NHL team, which is, I don't know why he wouldn't be in Edmonton. Their wing depth is probably one of the worst I've ever seen in a long time. And uh, it, he can't he couldn't crack that top six somehow. And I think he deserved a shot, at least, because when he's playing on the third line, he doesn't really have a lot of players to play with that can help him succeed. And I can understand those frustrations and why he might not be a fit on that team and it's probably best that he moves on. So now, is there something to be said? And he's young. He is. What is he? He's how old is he right now? Twenty one. Twenty two. And he's played. Well, this was his third season. 
he has yet to hit 82 games. His highest was 0-17-18, where he hit 65 games played and only registered 20 points. Oh, well, I mean... I can understand Edmonton is a rebuilding team, and he's a young player who probably shows potential. But I don't know if I was in the situation of looking to sign him if I could put him in a top six role right now. I definitely would take a risk on him at uh, one year under a million. I would definitely. But at the same time, Edmonton has his rights until he's into his UFA years. So you would have to offer sheet him. But a below $1 million offer sheet, I think you would only have to give up like a fourth round pick, which is not a big deal for a lot of teams. And some if someone thinks that he's worth it, They'll go out and get him, and it shouldn't be a problem for a lot of teams to do that. And I had this here in 139 games. He only has 37 points, which at the time when he was drafted, if you told me that, I would call you crazy that he would be putting up that only only that amount of production. Yeah, 2016 drafted fourth overall. Who uh, went after him? That's actually some, something I could check right now that I have I have a site open that I, I mean, can do. Who that. drafted him? Uh, no, no, not who drafted him. I know that Edmonton drafted him, but who was drafted after him? Oh, that 2016. That was the Austin Matthews year. Right. So that, how could I forget that year? Was Austin going first onwards? Austin Matthews, Patrick Laine, Pierre Luc Dubois. Turned Jen. into a stud, that guy. Yeah. So, where is he playing? Columbus. Yep. So. He, he's going to be their new franchise guy, and he's going to have a phenomenal season this year. Yeah. Better and than last year. Jesse uh, am Wow, I've got to work on the name. And I can't see that next name. You got it up there? Oli. Uh, Oli Levy. He Oli has Levy. not panned out. But coming after him, we can't say Matthew to Chuck. Finishing up his entry level, still waiting as an unrestricted free agent. He could have gone probably higher than Dubois. Even maybe is even second. Honestly, if you do a redraft, I think he's better than Line. Don't get me started on Line. I think Line had a huge choke this season, and it was painful to watch. The guy still scored thirty goals, and we're calling that a choke. Yeah, well, that's a high standard. No, that's we shouldn't hold to that high of a standard, but. We we kind of should because that's the only part of his game that he really has. Because every other part of his for uh, offensive and defensive game really isn't there. He is he does lack a well rounded tool belt, shall we say? He's, he doesn't have that. He's not much of a Swiss Army knife. No, exactly. But uh, who else was after that? Maybe just go up to ten. Go up to ten. What are we looking at? Clayton Keller, eight year oh, deal wow. with Arizona, right? Never so we're heard of that. Him. Alexander Nylander. Ooh, he hasn't done he, too well. I say as in... Uh, He's with Chicago now. Mikhail... Sergachev. Sergachev. He was traded from Montreal to Tampa in the Jonathan Drouin trade. And Sergachev is top four pairing guy now for the Lightning. He's yeah. done pretty well for himself. So that was, yeah, defenseman if we're... Peruve, uh, right wings we're looking at. Logan Brown was drafted 11th. Who did uh, Colorado pick? 10th there. Call it the Ty- Tyson Johnson. Tyson? Uh, is it Tyson Johnson? Or Tyson Jost. Oh, Ty- Tyson Yost. Yost, wow. He, I th- he was playing in college Johnson. recently, I th- he, and he's playing with the team now, 
I think he's putting up 40-ish points for the team. Just looking at his contracts here. He should still be on his entry level, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. He is still working through that. Not sure when that's up. And let's take a look at his... He's pretty diverse. He's got a lot of, you know, the U18s, U19s. This is the U.S. Development Program, right? Yeah. yeah they, well, they no, sorry, have... Canada. Oh, Canada. right. He's Canadian. Why would I... I don't know why I thought that. That was weird. What was that? Uh, what about last season with uh, Colorado? What was he putting up? Let's see. Six games played. Only one, six? One point. That was 2016-2017. Then here we go, 2017, 2018, 65 games, 22 points. And he played, he put up eight points in the minors as well. Well, between AHL and the World Hockey Championships. Actually, that's right. He had that fantastic uh, World uh, World Cup of, not World Cup of Hockey, but the World, the world Jun- Juniors. Yeah. Yeah, he I was, remember that. I remember that now. He was fantastic. He was, put up four goals in one game. <laughs> anyway. Uh, last season played 70 games 26 points and my 40 point prediction was a little off but he still you think he put up 65 games 22 points 70 games 26 points you put him in for 80 games I'm saying he's going to get 30 points he's still got room to grow and, and I think he still can grow he's 21 now you think if you're putting up 30 points at the end of your entry level contract as far as a player that was drafted 10th overall you I mean, it might not seem like the golden, the golden egg, but but it's a good pick. Better than Puliarvi, which is, and he's only and he's played two seasons. Puliarvi played. I honestly don't know why he was playing right out of camp when he got drafted. Edmonton yeah. has a stupid bad habit of that when they. Oh, Edmonton's got. Yeah, they. I don't like guys like Kyler Yamamoto was playing at right away, even though he was, he was under five ten, was barely one hundred and seventy pounds, was getting eaten alive, and then they they were they wondered why he wasn't doing so well. Like this team has a lot of problems, and even Puliarvi's agent, even though Shirelli was fired and Keith Gretzky took over for a bit, and now Ken Holland's in. He says that the culture is still pretty much the same and it feels unchanged and that he even agrees with Pugliarvi that sometimes a player and a team just aren't a fit. We've seen that happen before. Like, Druin wasn't a great fit in Tampa. He still put up points. He just never really enjoyed himself there. Montreal, he... I've never heard anything come out of his mouth that was negative about the city, about the organization... Which is really surprising about Tampa, seeing they're one of like one of the best run hockey organizations in just the on ice perspective. Even marketing, they're phenomenal. Right? But Puliarvi is a special case where we got an underperforming player who could definitely play top six minutes on this team. Isn't given his the top six minutes. I think he deserves. Okay. At least a shot at top six. Never got it. He just needs someone productive to play with and if he still can't put up points he's not gonna cut it in this league and all you need is one year of him consistently playing on a line with a guy who can support him well and if he doesn't get that he's probably gonna be stuck in finland and playing in the khl for 
a lot of his career and hopefully brought back one day. But who knows? Maybe we could be at a point where we just don't see him for a few years. Which, you know, if he can find a way to develop and he can come back and be on a team that he can work in a work in a role that he's comfortable in the role he wants to play, I think it'd be very advantageous to see him back. I think he would do well, like you're saying. But just looking at his points, 46 games last season and only 9 points, something's, something's got to change. I'm really curious to see where he goes because I honestly don't have a lot of ideas of where he can go because what Edmonton is asking for him is not high at all. Any team can trade for that. But a lot of teams seem hesitant. And I don't blame them too much. Just for the sole fact that... I don't know why my laptop fan is going insane here. I, first world problems. And uh, anyway, but Pugliarvi, if I could see him doing a little better if he gets onto another team. And the Hall going back to Edmonton won't be high because he doesn't want to play for them and the cards are in any team who is acquiring they're in their hands yeah they have all the leverage I think it just he has to he's got to prove it he's 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 got to prove it he's going to have to accept that he might not get offered a top six big money contract long year contract right off the bat he he would definitely take a one year risk deal Take a bet on yourself, like Janssen did, and now look at him. He's making yeah. three point four, and that's and that's what I'm saying is he's going to have to come back, take that deal, and show us what's up, and show us how it's going to go. Well, yet to be seen, and it's not a salary problem. It's uh, just a he doesn't want to play for them problem. So, well, I think that's all we can go on Puliarvi, and that's all I've got in my notes. So, just want to thank everyone for listening. If you made it this far, thank you. That's an hour and ten minutes that you'll never get back in your life. You're going to cut this. It's going to get trimmed up a little, right? Um, Not much. Maybe the silent pause is in the middle, but I'll see what I can do there. We shouldn't have gone on so many tangents then. Well, that's what podcasts are about. There's there's a bunch of podcasts that go two hours. We're only at an hour ten. That's pretty good. I can't believe we did we did good. We did uh, we did well talking for an hour ten about some of these yeah. topics. I think we 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 really explored them and really looked through them. I can't so, believe you listened to me for an hour. Yeah, you did most of the talking. I don't. I uh, I'm quick googling and searching facts as they come across the table, trying to get a little more information. We can have a yeah. conversation here. Yeah. So, I'm just gonna wrap it up, I guess, huh? Yeah. You yeah. go for it. Yeah, so any feedback that any of the listeners on your end, if you want to tell me anything, positive or negative, I can take criticism. Until next time, hopefully next week, see you soon. Have a good one.